0: Well, I thought it would be appropriate to title this message reawaken America. You know, the great awakening that happened, the first great awakening that happened before the revolutionary war was actually at a low ebb in American history. Everyone thinks America started out pure and nice and clean and everybody loved Jesus, but that wasn't the case. Alcoholism had reached a, about a 60% rate in America prior to the revolution. Students were forcing college presidents to resign and burning Bibles on campuses. And then a nearly blind preacher down in Princeton, he he was so boring and so hard of seeing that he would hold his manuscript in front of his eyes and he began to read the sermon. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? You see, it's never about the enthusiasm of the speaker, it's about the Holy Spirit of God. He began to read a sermon entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And when he began to read that sermon, to his surprise, people began to literally fall out of the pew onto the ground, crying out to God. You see, it wasn't the sermon, it was the Spirit. And many times we listen and we hear and we think it's all about the speaker. It's not. It's never about me. It's about who's in me, and who's speaking to you in your spirit. So we pray for an awakening. As he began to preach, that movement that started in Princeton became known as the first great awakening, without which we would not have had a revolution, we would not have had a constitution and a declaration of independence. So powerful was that move of God that it literally changed the culture and the nature of of the people in New England. And I want you to know if there's going to be a change, it's not going to happen simply at the ballot box. It's going to happen in your heart. It's gonna happen in your spirit. It's gonna happen because you do, as Clay said, I came to my senses, I was quickened alive, and the Spirit of God got my attention. I decided, as a man or a woman, I was going to be a spiritual leader, and I was gonna walk in faithfulness before God. Because I'm telling you, we have to preserve the freedoms, and we have to take back things that have been lost. But even if we do that, if we are dead in our heart, then we cannot move forward with any kind of clarity whatsoever. There is a movement, you may have heard of it, it's called the Great Reset. It's nothing new. It started in Genesis chapter 10 with Nimrod. (laughs) He began to establish a one world government. He thought he could do it, he built a tower and that tower was a religious monument to put God aside and say, let us build this tower into the heavens. God is a humorous God because he said, let us go down and look. And I see the picture of me when my kids were young and they would build blocks and they would say, Dad, come look at this. And I would get down on the ground so I could see it. God says, let me go down. It's so small, I can't see it from heaven. Amen? And then he said, I'm going to confuse the languages of the people so that they cannot communicate clearly of their intentions of a one world government. That government was called Babylon. Babylon began in Genesis chapter 10. It will be judged in Revelation chapter 17. It's called the Great Whore Mystery Babylon. It's all false religion, whether it comes to you in the form of patriotism, it comes to you in the form of communism, whatever ideology is, it doesn't matter. First and foremost, it must be your relationship to Jesus Christ, walking in faithfulness before him. Amen? Put your hands together and give him glory. The leader of that movement, the leader of that movement, at least one of the key figures, is a man by the name of Klaus Schwab. And he has a organization called the World Economic Forum. Let me read to you what he said. Every country every, that sounds like all of them, every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. Now, it's interesting that the globalist agenda is really twofold. It's a one-world religion and a one-world government. It's taking away that which God has established. You know that God established nations. Isn't that interesting? Do you know that it says, Clay referred to Matthew 24? Matthew 24, 25 are key chapters. But do you know that not only is God going to judge individuals, he's going to judge nations. He says he will bring the nations in and then he will separate them as he does sheep from goats. And some nations will go into the millennial kingdom and some will not. In other words, there's going to always be some kind of a national identity even in the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on planet Earth. Isn't that interesting? And now there's an effort to do away with nationalism, to erase borders, and to say, let's just all get together and be one and walk lockstep to the leaders who think they know best. Let me say this about a one world government. It is not a conspiracy theory. It is not a conspiracy theory. Its aim is a borderless world. Take away all the borders, take away all your identity, strip you of your history, strip you of your reminders of your history, whether it's a monument or anything else, and it is conformity on every level. The president just came out uh, yesterday or the day before, And he said, the real problem we have in society today, the real plague, the real virus, are unvaccinated people. That's the plague. That's the problem. Now, he just took and he divided a nation and said, let's go ahead and just make us two people instead of one people. And there's such a push for vaccination, and I'm not here to tell you to get vaccinated, not get vaccinated, I'm gonna say, I didn't, and I won't, but it's your choice to do what you want, all right? See, I believe our Constitution gives us the freedom of choice. It gives us the right to decide how we're going to live our life, how we're gonna take care of this body, how we're gonna live our life in our business world and everything else, and we don't have the right to absurd someone else's right, that's what it means, to have a constitution we had members of Antifa on the sidewalk yesterday poor showing only two of them no black hoodies at all too hot for hoodies I guess and the security team said what do you want me to do I said let them stand on the on the sidewalk and protest that's called the first amendment if they don't get peaceful well you decide where you want to put them A one world government is conformity on every level, but more importantly, it is predicted in the word of God. It is predicted in the Bible. Do you know that God does nothing, the Bible says, unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. So in other words, if you want to know the future, all you have to do is read the Bible. Jesus said this, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So I wanna know something about the future. I read the book of Genesis to start. I don't start in Revelation. I understand Revelation better if I understand Genesis. Because God said, I'm gonna show you something. He had a servant by the name of Enoch. And Enoch, it says, he walked with God. There came a crisis point in his life where he began to walk with God. And then it says this, it's the only one in that chapter five of Genesis it says this of, that he did not die. It says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know what happened? He was raptured out of that world, just like Christians will be raptured out before the coming Antichrist and the great tribulation on (laughs) planet Earth. You say, well, I have a different view. Then tell me how it is when you get to heaven finally. The term tyranny describes the arbitrary or unrestrained exercise of power or authority. You may have seen the headline, Los Angeles County to require masks indoors, even for the vaccinated. Now I have a question. What good is the vaccination? See now, when I, when I saw this, what I, what I realized was this had nothing to do with the vaccination. It was another reminder it had to do with control. I mean, if, if a mask, if I have get vaccinated, and I still have to have a mask, then what do we, where do we go from here? Well, I guess, on the recommendations of Fauci, we wear two masks. <laughs> Quarantine is when you restrict the movement of sick people. Tyranny is when you restrict the movement of healthy people. I grew up on a military base. My dad was a colonel in the army, and it was a, that particular base when I was growing up was an army hospital. And uh, there were a lot of people at that time, believe it or not, that had tuberculosis. And they wore a mask, and we sat next to them and ate dinner with them, and all was good. Kinda made sense if you have tuberculosis, but not if you have a virus, like the flu. America is at a watershed moment in history. The very words written in our Constitution are being challenged by those who promise us a brighter future without the rule of law, without God, and without truth. A writer in 1944 wrote a book entitled The Road to Serfdom. F.A. Hayek said the word truth itself ceases to have its, its old meaning. It describes no longer something to be found with the individual conscience, It becomes something to be laid down by authority, something which has to be believed in the interest of unity. Now the context, just to give you an idea, it was during World War II he wrote this, but he wrote it because he saw the encroaching socialism that was taking place in Europe. And he said, this is what's going to happen. Truth will be what people tell you it is. Truth will not be truth. Well, Jesus made it really clear in John chapter 17 and verse 17. He said, thy word is truth. God's word is truth. To reawaken America, we have to understand the times that we're living in. In Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18, listen to what it says. Now, we're going to fast forward. Those of you who do not know the book of Revelation very well, let me kind of give you an idea how it flows. The first three chapters are giving you an overview of the churches from the first century all the way until the coming of Christ. The last church will be the Laodicean church, which will be lukewarm. Now the scene shifts, chapter 4, chapter 5, it's a heavenly scene. Now John is looking from heaven downward, and he's seeing what's happening. He's enjoying this, this worship before the, the, the throne of God, the Lamb of God is there. And then chapter 6 starts the tribulation period. Chapter 6 through 19 is the tribulation period in the book of Revelation. Now, when you get to chapter 13, it begins what Jesus refers to in Matthew 24 as the Great Tribulation. That's where the Antichrist issues the mark of the beast. So I'm gonna take you fast forward to chapter 13, and you're gonna see how this fits into the narrative we're talking about today. It says, he, that is the Antichrist, causes all, both great, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now notice what's happening here. The, the, the control comes that you cannot buy anything unless you have the mark. In other words, you can't buy food. You can't buy gas for your car. You cannot function unless you conform to what I'm telling you to do. And then you'll notice it says three things here. It says, except the one who has the mark, that's the first level. The next one is the name of the beast, and the third is the number of his name. I believe there will be an economic strata woven into this mark of the beast in the days ahead. You know, if you traveled to uh, Eastern uh, Europe or Eastern Berlin during the Cold War, you would have found out there were those who were living in abject poverty, those who were living in middle class, and those who were living, that is all the the elites, are living very, very well. But socialism isn't supposed to work that way, is it? You see, you cannot get away from the sinfulness of man's heart. There's always a greed that exists in any ideological system. The only thing that breaks that down is the power of Jesus Christ to change and transform us and to see everyone the same. It's not about color, it's not about language, it's not about any of those things, it's about made in the image of the invisible God. We stand before him and when we get to heaven, we're not gonna have tags on us to say Democrat or Republican. Trust me, it's true. You say, well, I don't think there'll be as many Democrats there. (laughs) Well, you might be surprised how many Republicans are not there. There's gonna be one tag, you know what it is? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world that he might receive power and glory and honor. And it says all of the living creatures began to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And all those creatures fell to their knees and they cast their throne, their, their crowns to the throne of Jesus Christ on that day. Well, it says here that as we go on, it says here is wisdom. Now remember, wisdom comes from God. In the book of Proverbs, there's three words that are typically tied together. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Understanding is a separation and arrangement of those facts, but wisdom is the application of God's truth to your understanding. You can't have wisdom without God. You, did you hear what I said? You cannot have wisdom without God. It says, here is wisdom In other words, if I'm gonna understand this, I have to have God's insight. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Now here's what we need today. We need two things that function well in this society. We need situational awareness. Now that's a term that we commonly think about when we go into a city and we keep our eyes open. We don't put our head in our phone when we're walking around in an unsafe place. What we do is we, we know what's happening in our world. We're seeing things that are happening. We tell our children to be aware. Don't cross the street, right, before you look both ways. That's situational awareness. I want to tell you, you need situational awareness to what's happening in our world. You have to look and re- look at those headlines and say, what is that saying to me? You have to listen carefully at those school board meetings. What are they actually saying to me? What is happening here? And situational awareness will allow you to function and understand a strategy to maneuver through this world that we live in. Second thing you need is spiritual awareness. Situational awareness, spiritual awareness. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You might think someone who has a different ideological view of you is, from you is your enemy. They are not. Behind the scene, remember, there are spiritual forces that are pushing, shoving, and rearranging people constantly to try to get this one world agenda moving in the right direction. And their, their goal for you, if you're a Christian, is that you would conform to the world. That we, you would have let everything that the world tells you is important begin to shape the way you live your life. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Now you'll notice, there's gonna be a list of things here. These are different levels of spiritual evil forces in the world, and they're ranked by their authority in the spiritual realm. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So what do we do? Well, that chapter, if you go back and read it, says, put on the full armor of God. First, start with the helmet, don't let things get in your mind that don't need to be in your mind, amen? amen. How many of you want to repent of some things in your brain right now, amen? amen? Hey, you know, I had somebody tell me one time, well, you Christians are all brainwashed. I said, amen. <laughs> I always thought the brain needed a good scrubbing. Don't, doesn't yours? I taught a preaching class uh, in, a, in a small seminary in New Orleans when I was going to seminary, and the guy got up, and. Uh, And he was very Southern, you know, and had that big draw, and he said, well, he said, you know, when you die, God's got a 16 millimeter film of your life. And he's gonna show it to everybody. And ain't nobody gonna be eating popcorn. I thought that was about as telling as anything. How would you like to have your brain on video so everybody could watch it? That's why, get it cleaned up, amen? Amen. Amen. If we're gonna reawaken America, we have to understand prophecy. You have to understand that these are words that are spoken to help us, give us insight into the future. The Bible says here in Matthew 24, verses three and four, he sat down on the Mount of Olives. If you've ever been there, it looks right over into Jerusalem. And the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You see, they were asking the same questions that we ask today. The difference is that we're now 2,000 years into the future and now we can interpret the verses better that follow that particular verse. And Jesus said unto them, take heed that no one deceive you. So what's the first thing he wants to warn us about? Deception is a real thing. People will try to deceive you to believe something, a lie, or to For example, say, well, we have the answer. No, God has the answer. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. On the earth, distress of nations. Are we seeing that? Perplexity, the sea, waves roaring, men's heart failing from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. See, he's telling us something in the future. Now, let me put that in a form of a chart, walk you through it, and give you a little example of how this works. So, if we think about a one world government, I'm gonna go over here to my my right, your left, the great falling away. What is that? The great falling away is what happens at the end of the age when the church, true, when the church begins to be thinned out from the true and the false church. You're gonna see people that are just gonna fall away from God, And they're gonna say, well, I'm a Christian, but you cannot be a Christian and deny the power thereof. The Bible says, many will hold to a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That is, they're not walking the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, all who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You see, there's evidence that you're a Christian. You're claiming to be a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. I could claim, I could say every time I go into a garage, I'm a car, but I'm not. I might get big as a car, but I'm not a car. Now, the great falling away, that's happening now. That is happening now. We're in the Laodicean church age, if you read the book of Revelation chapter three. Next event that's going to happen that's gonna be very significant is gonna be the rapture of the church. What is that? That is the taking away of all true believers. Now, what's happening in this, in this period of time, COVID has been really good to help show us the condition of the church, and I'm talking about the church universal. What it's done is, I was doing a... a, a interview with the Epoch Times, and he asked me about China. And he said, have you had any experience in communist countries? I said, yes, my wife and I have smuggled Bibles into Romania. Back in the day, we preached down in El Salvador in the FLMN, were the Communist Party in power in that 17-year Civil War. So I've had some experience. He said, do you see any parallels with America and China? And I said, I do, but I didn't until now. And what I understand is you have the state church, and you have the underground church, Today, what you have is you have the believing church and the conforming church. You see, we are not to ever bow our knee to Caesar. See, the powers that are in control do not determine our spiritual decisions. Now, we are to be subject to them. They say, you can't preach the gospel. I say, well, I'm gonna keep preaching. We're gonna arrest you. That's fine, you can arrest me. I'll be subject to you, but I do not obey you. You see the difference? right? Yeah, here I am. And I look good in orange, so I'm, I'm cool with that. All right. Now, what happens at the rapture of the church? The, the Holy Spirit departs. He's called the restrainer. So what happens is the Holy Spirit departs, and now you begin a period of the tribulation. And as you move to it, you notice we get to that halfway part. The great tribulation begins, Matthew 24, 21. That's where the mark of the beast is installed at that point, uh, where you have to make a decision. Those who refuse the mark in that particular period, become martyrs to the faith. They say, I will not do that. They have bec- they've come to believe in, in the power of the kingdom during the tribulation, all true Christians were taken, but people will be converted during the tribulation period and they will be martyrs. Now we're gonna fast forward a little bit to the, the uh, Battle of Armageddon. You've probably heard of that. That's Revelation chapter 16. Uh, the kings of the east will march uh, and they will begin to assemble themselves, the Bible says, against the Lord. And uh, the kings of the east is China, and it says they will have a 200 million member army. Now think about that number, it's crazy, isn't it? Let me tell you what's crazy, In 1963, Time Magazine ran an article that China, at that time, had a standing army and militia of 200 million people. You know what's amazing about that? When John wrote this in 90 AD, there wasn't even 200 million people on planet Earth. See how good prophecy is? And then you come to the last, the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the the heavens are gonna roll up like a scroll. Christ is going to come with his army. He's going to break through and he's going to establish righteousness on earth and institute a thousand year millennial reign of Christ. You know what keeps people honest? A policeman on the corner. How many of you have ever saw a police and said I believe I'll speed up? (laughs) I'll show him. No, we don't do that. You know why? Because the first rule of safe driving is a policeman on the corner. The first rule of safe spiritual driving is an awareness of where we are with the return of Christ. If you live with a moment-by-moment expectation, it could be today, Your life is gonna be better. Your life is gonna be different. You're not gonna be worried about accumulating stuff and getting your rights and getting freedom and all this. Let me tell you how many rights you have. None when you go to the cross. You said, I will die of self that I might follow Jesus. If any man would be my disciple, let him take up his cross and what? Follow me, follow me. If we're gonna reawaken American, we have to understand our destiny. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Can you say amen? amen? And it shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. And amen and amen. Revelation chapter one, verses four through eight. If you haven't figured it up yet, we're running toward the end of this message, and it's gonna get exciting. So I want you to be excited and say amen, because this is all good news if you know the Lord. Amen? (laughs) Revelation one, it says grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the firstborn witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over all the kings of the earth. Amen. Amen. To him who loved us. you know God loves you? Yes, even you. He doesn't love you because you always do right. I have Guys come to me all the time and go, man, I really messed up and, and you're not gonna believe this and it's gonna shock me and, I, and they'll tell me something and I'll say, you're an amateur. <laughs> see that guy over there? I'm not pointing at you, sir. I'm just <laughs> making a point, all right? But, but you see that guy over there? He, he's, like, he's like so far advanced, you're an amateur. It's not about how much you sin. It's about forgiveness that comes by the blood of the lamb. <laughs> Amen. And when you're saved, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. Once you're saved, you're a son or a daughter of the living God. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. All things are past, even the guilt. When Jesus died, he even died for your guilt. You say, I'm guilty. No, Christians don't get guilty. What they do is they get convicted so that they move in the direction of righteousness. There's a difference. Guilt's the gift that keeps on giving. But you want to be cleansed of that, amen? Now look what it says, to him who loved us, who washed us from our sins in his own blood, has made us kings and priests. Do you realize that God looks at you as a king or a priest in his kingdom? Well, I'm just a layman. No, you're not. You're a son of the living God, a daughter of the living God. You're a king or priest in the eternal kingdom of Almighty God. That is your pedigree. That is your calling. That is who you are in God. To God the Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Imagine John writing this in 90 AD and said, everybody's going to see him. Well, how's that gonna work? We probably live in the first age where everyone could see him. He's gonna live stream Amen? He'll break in. You wanna see, see some tech companies turned upside down. What is this? What, what is this on a white horse? What, his name is the Word of God. What, he's coming with an army. And they're all dressed in white. And he's proclaiming victory. Quick, pull the plug. We did. It's still working. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Even those who are dead in first century are going to see his return. And all the tribes of the earth were mourned because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha. I am the Alpha. The beginning. Says the Lord. Who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Can you give him glory? Can you give him praise? Come behold the works of the Lord, the psalmist said. See what he has done on the earth. He reminds us to be still and know he is God. And he reminds us that if you don't give me praise, the rocks themselves will cry out, Glory unto God, amen? Amen. Amen. You know the most important thing you can do before you leave this moment, and what I mean is that attention span moment, is to ask yourself this question. If you died today, you stood before God, and he asked you one simple question. Why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you say? You see, the answer is never, I was a good person. I'm sure you are. The answer is not, I took communion. I'm sure you did. I got baptized. Well, that's great. I endured 4,000 of Pastor Phil's sermons. (laughs) Well, that's not enough. You see, the answer is there came a point in my life where I made a decision for Jesus Christ. I humbled myself, I looked at the cross, and I said, I am a sinner, and unless he forgives me of my sin, I will split hell wide open. So I wanna ask you, Lord Jesus, to save me, to come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I want you to have the opportunity right now, right where you sit, right where you stand, whether you're inside, outside, watching on live stream. I wanna ask you to pray this prayer with me. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to come into my heart, to give me a new heart that'll love you, walk with you. I believe you rose from the dead to give me new life. I receive that life, write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Now, while you just keep your heads bowed for a moment, if you prayed that prayer with faith, I want you to thank him for saving your soul. It's your own words, just thank him right where you are. It might be as simple as as just saying, thank you, Lord Jesus, I'm your child now. This is not something you have to do 20 times. You do this once with sincerity, and you have entered into the kingdom of God, amen? Now, let me ask you, keep your heads bowed a moment, If you prayed that prayer today, I want you just to raise your hands as a testimony. No one's looking around. Just raise your hands as a testimony to God. I prayed that prayer of salvation. Just lift it up high, nothing to be embarrassed about. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Amen, think of that great word that Jesus, thank you so much, put your hand down. God bless you. Can I just say happy birthday to all of you who raised your hand? This is what we call your spiritual birthday. Write it down in your Bible. Take a note in your phone. Today, July 18th, I was born again. Amen? What great news.